0: As I read here, I see I begin to see a struggle between the disciples, and I begin to see their their confusion. They didn't know what exactly what Jesus was saying, and they didn't know exactly what he meant by it. But in verse nineteen of the same text, it says, "Now Jesus knew that they were desirous of were desirous of to ask him." Sorry, and said unto them. Do ye inquire among yourselves of that I said a little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me. I I read that and I almost missed this point. And I want to share with you tonight, this blessed me as I went back and I looked at it and I thought about it. You know, He knows what I'm thinking. Not only does He know what I'm going through, God knows what I'm thinking. And I praise the Lord for that. When when I don't understand it all, when I'm in the midst of a struggle, this holy God of mine knows what I'm thinking. What He's saying here, Jesus didn't really make sense to the disciples. They were saying among themselves, we don't understand, we don't comprehend what's coming out of His mouth. Even Peter, I believe, he thought well, I'll handle this. I'll take care of it. He told Jesus, I'll never leave your side. And this is the way Peter responded to it. But in the midst of their confusion, God knew. In the midst of our doubt, God knows. In the midst of our shame, God knows. He knows. And when I can't comprehend the mess going on in my life, He knows. He knows your thoughts. He cares about them. And note here, Christ doesn't just overlook it. He doesn't just go around the fact that He knows. He is willing to answer the question. And that's, that's so amazing to me because, you know, as I've been through struggles in my life, I've learned a few things. And one of those things is me and Ms. Francis, Ms. Francis have talked about this several times. It's okay to ask God a question. He's not a God who sits up on His throne and reigns over us without any care for us. It's okay to ask God questions. And somehow there's this teaching within Christianity that it's bad to question God. And it's bad to ask Him why. And that's just not true. See, there's a motive behind your question. I want to give this to you tonight because I actually heard these Uh, definitions this weekend and I thought that's exactly what I've been trying to say for so long see if you go to God as a victim you want to blame God and you're asking why that's not scriptural you're going to God as a victim like he has done something to you and put something on you bigger than yourself that's not scriptural that's not the way to approach God with a question but if you go to God as a student as one willing to know the ways of God. That is how you approach God with a question. These disciples, they, they inquired among them, what does He mean? What is? What, I want to know. I want to know what He's doing. I want to know what's going on here. And God goes to him. You go back to the story of doubting D- Thomas. What did He say? If I could stick my hand in His side, what did Jesus do? He showed up and He said, hey, stick your hand here. You you go back and you, you look at uh, Moses and he desired to know the ways of God. God showed him. You go through Scripture and you see people Gideon even questioning God and God, he just he wanted approval over his calling. God was willing to do that for him. God is not so high and mighty that he doesn't care about our infirmities. He loves us and He wants to guide us and He wants to lead us. And when we seek after Him, He is more than willing to do that. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing about Christ. Then we keep reading in verse 20. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. Read verse 21 with me. A woman when she is in travail has sorrow because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. This Scripture and this passage of Scripture talks about anguish. And as I read that and as I read the rest of the passage, I realized this uh, absence of Christ brings anguish. When when we remove Christ from our lives, when we we put Him to the side, guess what? Anguish is what's coming. Lamenting is what's coming. And and here it says Jesus... uh, Jesus had... Led those disciples for three and a half years. Jesus has taught those disciples. He has carried them through town and town. And they've seen many miracles. They've seen many uh, teachings of Jesus that just blew their mind. And all of a sudden, this man that they devoted their whole life to says, I'm going to see you later. I'm going to be gone for a while. Can you imagine the grief that set in? The, The thought that... Why? The thought of, of, why would you do this to us? Why would you leave us? But not only that, from a Jewish perspective here, we have to realize how the disciples felt. You see, Jewish boys and, and were raised to, if they could only be the disciple of a great master, they'd made it. They'd become the big stuff. And these men, they, they were disciples of Jesus. And they thought, hey, we've made it. If you remember, they escorted Jesus in to Jerusalem on a colt and laid palm branches down. They thought He was the King. Right? They thought in their minds from a Jewish perspective that He would be the one to overthrow Rome, that He would be the one to come in and conquer the nation before them. And now He's going away? What anguish and what what torment this must have brought to their minds that Jesus was going to go away. I've been there. (laughs) You feel like God's just not working on your behalf. You feel like everything you've prayed for isn't the reality of what you see. You feel like you've served the Lord enough to be more deserving of what you've got. Jesus told the disciples, you're going to mourn. You're going to weep. And you're going to lament. Remember Peter and how he denied Christ? Jesus predicted that. Jesus predicted that Peter would be so upset and so confused about the situation that he would deny Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. If you look at that passage of Scripture over in Luke, I just like doing this because Jesus predicted something and then we see the fulfillment of it there in the Scriptures. Luke chapter 22, verse 61 and 62, it says, And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter... And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. That's a fulfillment of Jesus' word just right there on the pages of Scripture. Why did he weep? He had come to a place in his life where he had put Jesus away. He was trying to figure out, how am I going to do this on my... My own, how am I going to take care of this situation? I've devoted my life to this, and now he's being taken prisoner. He's he's going to be crucified. He put Jesus to the side. But I'm so thankful that when we are far from God, he's not far from us. He's not far from us. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. is It's when we put God to the side, when we do those things, but immediately when we turn around to Him, He's there. With arms wide open, He wants us to come home. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. Jesus' presence brings joy. Verse 22, it says this, And ye know thereafter, therefore, and ye now, I'm going to read tonight at some point, And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again. And your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. Wow, what a beautiful, beautiful promise. Jesus' presence brings joy. Jesus said, Your sorrow shall be turned into joy. Joy drives anguish to a place of forgetfulness. You just think about the illustration that Jesus used here. He talks about a woman in travail. She goes through that whole situation of having a child. And let me tell you, my wife is stronger than I am. But when they brought those babies in and Laura wrapped her arms around those babies and a smile came across her face, joy conquered anguish. When Jesus comes into the situation, when He's already been there, really, joy can conquer anguish. Why? Because when we look at Jesus and what He's done for us, there's a joy greater than all of our problems. The disciples' anguish and pain would be driven away by the joy that Jesus is back in their presence. The grave could not hold Him. The one they trusted in would not be absent from their lives forever. He would be back in their lives. I heard a preacher say the other day, I think me and Brother Josh were listening, you know, the greatest compliment of our church that could be given is not our choir singing a wonderful special. It's not boy they've got a lot of people it's not their preacher dress is awesome it's not the paint on the wall is beautiful the greatest compliment our church could ever be given is the presence of the lord is in this place it's the greatest thing that could be said about our church when we come into the presence of the lord it ought to bring a little more joy a little more excitement than any pee-wee football game. (laughs) There ought to be excitement here in the very presence of our Lord. Jesus gives us life. He gives us hope. He gives us grace. Ten years from now, a touchdown at a pee-wee football game of a kid that's eight years old will not mean a thing. But praise God, Jesus will. Jesus will mean something for all eternity. As I studied this, I come across some thoughts in my mind. And one of the thoughts that came across my mind is does our reverence rob us of our joy? And I let that set in for a couple of days before I even typed this outline. Because as we come into church, we ought to be reverent. But let me tell you, the, the definition of reverence means deep respect. It does not mean lack of praise. I do not want to be a Christian who cannot celebrate the joy that the Lord's brought me and the joy that He's given to my family and my life. I want to be able to celebrate that in the presence of the Lord. Nehemiah said it this way in Nehemiah 8. In verse 10, he says, Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweat the sweet and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared for this day is holy unto our lord neither be ye sorry for the joy of the lord is my is your strength the joy of the lord is your strength and, and i had a different idea about that verse until i studied it The word strength here means safety, place of protection. It means a refuge. The joy that came from the Lord was a refuge from the anguish of the world. And as we come into God's presence, as we come into God's house, His church, we ought to have a refuge from the anguish of the world. We ought to be willing to praise and be joyful because He's given us life. He's with us always. And He will be with us always to the end of the world. But not only in this church. Matthew twenty-eight twenty. When Jesus has given His disciples the Great Commission, He makes them a promise. A very beautiful promise teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. If Jesus is with us, His presence is here. And if His presence is here, there ought to be joy surrounding a Christian that no man, as John 16 told us, no man can take away from you. It doesn't matter what you throw at me. You can't take my joy. It doesn't matter what the world around me is going on. It doesn't doesn't matter what is happening in my life. It doesn't matter what's happening in the nation we live in. It doesn't matter what's happening on a global scheme of things. This is the promise He is with us and you can't take my joy. Nobody can. Because of where it comes from. It comes from Jesus. And tonight, as I think about those Scriptures, I find myself guilty. I find myself guilty of walking in and sitting on a pew on Sunday morning or Sunday night And judging someone else for the way they worship. Or or thinking about something that, oh, I wish that wasn't in service, or I wish this wasn't. Let all praise be to His name. (laughs) Be joyful in His house, be a refuge. Just imagine a person living in this world that's went through turmoil, that's went through pain, and they walk in the doors of promised land and they feel joy from the members of this church. Why? Because the presence of the Lord is here. As we get ready for a hymn of invitation, there may be someone in the crowd tonight that doesn't know that joy. They don't know what it is to have something that can't be taken away from you. Jesus died on the cross to give you that joy. Jesus died on the cross to give you life, life more abundantly, life for eternity with His Father, God. And tonight may be that night, but you need to find out what that's all about. If you would, come during this invitation.